Hi guys, it's 9th of October, it's just after 10am in the morning, and this is the second podcast that I've recorded today. Um, I was going to be caffeine free as I said in the last one, and nope, I've just cracked open a Rubicon because I need it apparently because I was yawning all the way through that as I normally do through all of these. But here we are, we have the actual proper new episode of the home video update this is episode seven and yeah we're starting as we mean to go on with a um standard basic hopefully back to weekly episode um i've watched quite a lot in the last week or so um i've kind of forced myself to so add content for the podcast and also because with the work that I'm doing at the moment and how much I'm working, I'm not getting much time to do any of this. So it's it's making my life a bit easier if I actually do some of this stuff is the way I'm thinking about it. Uh, so, yeah. We're going to start off as we normally do in the basic standard way. Um, I do want to say first the podcast that I recorded earlier. Um, that is a podcast that um, I've specially done for my patrons because obviously I do have the people that pay money now on my Patreon and they have an exclusive ranking of Bond movies that I did this morning. So all 25 Bond movies, um, the official Eon ones, not Never Say Never Again or anything like that, not Casino Royale, the Woody Allen thing, just the official Eon Bond movies from number 25 to number one in my rankings. Um, so that is exclusive exclusive even over there i can't talk today apparently which is going to bode well for the fact that i've now my second podcast of the day um yeah so it's just over an hour of me ranking the bond movies my 2022 ranking as i said there and as i say in all these lists they do change quite often because i do change my mind quite a bit but for now that is my current list and even doing the list um you can tell that I was a bit surprised by some of the things I'd put in certain rankings, um, which is weird because they are my rankings. Um, But these things change all the time. I'm terrible for doing rankings because basically I changed my main... I can't speak again. I basically changed my mind quite a lot. Um, That's why I never have a top film of all time because my mind changes a lot i'll watch something and then change my mind i'll watch something else and then change my mind so it does happen quite a bit um but for the moment that is over there it is going to remain patreon exclusive they won't get it early like they do all the other podcasts they have that for themselves because they are paying me out and out so i'd say i don't love the people that do listen anyway um i'm glad that people listen and i'm happy that people actually want to hear what i say it's really humbling and it's really great i'm not doing like crazy numbers on this podcast but it's something that i do enjoy doing um and i will continue doing as long as people want to listen to it so standard we'll do what we've been watching into news and into the main topic for the week so what i've been watching um like i say quite a bit started the week with um walk amongst the tombstones which is a film i saw in the cinema and i never bought on blu-ray because it's censored in the uk um it's only one scene i think um but i did buy it digitally because i think i got it for 99p or something crazy um so i thought i really wanted to watch it again um i completely forgot that scott frank directed it because the only reason that i went to see it is because scott frank wrote and directed it um i didn't see it because of liam neeson definitely but then watching it again now with dan stevens being in it i love dan stevens the cast is really good um it's got um oh i can't remember the guy's name the guy from predators and everything else who's Oh, God, I'm going to have to have a look at this now. Um, I'm going to kick myself. Google, Google, Google. I swear it begins with a B. He's in... Uh, Roy Holbrook. Yeah, it did. Um, he's really good. David Harbour's really good. Basically, it's these two messed up guys who kidnap women and cut them up on video. It's not a very nice film. Um, but it's something like you'd have with what was it called um eight millimeter and things like that where it's very much like snuff movie sort of things and um i i quite like it still i think scott frank um is an underrated writer definitely underrated director i think the lookout is 
fantastic and i need to rewatch that actually it's very hard to find i know there were things with um aspect ratios on certain releases i think echo bridge put one out i know that echo bridge put one out but it was in the wrong aspect ratio um it's a weird stuff going on with that film and it's it's a shame because Joe Scott levitts obviously got a big push nowadays jeff bridges and i think isla fish is in it as well um it's a shame that that's not a big thing he's not a big director because obviously his writing without sight and stuff like that is amazing and people should really be paying more t- attention to him. It's a shame. Um, yeah, I think that still holds up. Um, it's certainly not a film I watched for Liam Neeson's involvement. It was a film I watched for Scott Frank. And I think Liam Neeson actually does a good job in it, considering it's during his later grandpa action scenes. Um, but yeah, it's, I, I quite like Walking Amongst Tombstones. Next, I watched Fall. Not the Fall, not the Tussie movie, but the Fall, which is the... Two girls climb a tall thing and get stuck movie, which is such a strange idea. But yeah, I I, I liked that film. Um, I kind of wish I saw it in the cinema, which I didn't. Because on a big screen, I'm sure it would have been more impactful. Um, it's apart from some really, and it's obviously a low budget film, apart from some really terrible, like bad CGI. Um, it's really good. It's quite tense. It's well made. Um, you can see the person who made it going on to do something like way bigger and way better because there's potentially way more ideas there than actually got put into the film. It's yeah, it's a good tense little thriller. Um, and it's weird because you've got, you know, more around, you know, just two people stuck up there and like what's going on and the elements and stuff. It's more around their antagonists, protagonists, and there are villains and heroes. And it's really strange how they managed to pull most of that off. But it's a clever film that's made very well. Um, I'd recommend it. I wouldn't say too much because too much of it's going to be a spoiler. But basically, it's clever and well made. And I think that's enough for it. Um, I finally cracked open my 4K of Dog Soldiers because I'm trying to watch more Halloween-y sort of movies. Um Now, I first saw the 4K restoration in the cinema. I didn't buy the German 4K. And there were a lot of day-for-night shots that were broken. It was not that good-looking. This improves on that, but there are still some issues I feel. But it is directors um, signed off, uh, supervised, whatever. I think cinematographers involved as well. It also goes to show that Shout, who also put out their own 4K, you know, Shout, who said that the um, original camera negative doesn't exist for this film. That Those those people, that, that Shout, you know, the people that get caught lying all the time and, you know, talk a bunch of shit. Yeah, well, funny that. Um, it does exist because they scanned it and now you've released it. So you look like idiots, don't you? Because their release print was horrible. It was just, even for a release print, you could get it looking better if you actually tamed the colour timing. But they just seemed to ramp it all up and made it look terrible. Um it's a good-looking disc. Uh, I still think the film holds up. I still think Marshall's best film is The Descent. Um, I like his later films. I like Doomsday. I like his Hellboy remake. I'm one of the only people that does. Um, Centurion's quite good as well. Um, I like Neil Marshall. Um, it's a shame what happened to Hellboy and him you know, apparently disappearing off the set with the, um, the member of the cast or whatever, that woman who seems to have um, been used or she's used people to get jobs or they've used her to get jobs or whatever it is, you know, and whole sexual favors thing that was around that. It's, it's a shame because I think Hellboy, especially David Harbour's performance is better than the Irig. Oh, it's definitely worth watching. Um, if you haven't seen it visually, it's beautiful, but yeah, um, dog soldiers holds up. It's a great release by second sight. There's tons of extras, it's got a nice package. I don't like the cover art, but it's it's quite nice for what it is. It's definitely worth getting. It's probably the best version of Dog Soldiers we're ever going to get. Then I watched Hellraiser, the original version. Um, from was it nineteen eighty four, five, six, something like that. Um, I watched it because obviously the um, new version from David Bruckner was coming out. Now I assumed, like Prey, it would be on Disney Plus the same day, or you know, the Friday. Um, it turns out there is no UK release date for the remake whatsoever. Um, it wasn't put on Disney like Prey was with the other Hulu movie. Um, so there seems to be no idea or 
anything committed to when that film is coming out because no one's talking about it. So basically I had to download it because no other option. I'm not waiting. I'm not getting spoiled on it. Um, well, I say had to. I chose to. So I watched the original Hellraiser, um, which I've always loved. I've got the Arrow Scarlet box, the original box. Um, I watched that version. Now, I know there are some issues for people where it's, it's too bright or the framing's wrong, especially on the sequels and whatever else. And I don't disagree with that. But for the fact it gave us all the versions, including like the missing stuff from 2 and the unrated version of 3 from the LaserDisc stuff, had all the extras, the picture quality was remastered and all these other things. I think it's a great set. There are issues with that. This is when Arrow's quality, quality control started going downhill a little bit. But I don't think it's bad at all. I think it's very good. Um, and then it still holds up. It's still a great movie. It's still creepy as hell. It's still that otherworldly English and Americans in England vibe. Um, it's still beautiful looking. It's still gory. It's still disturbing. I still say Jesus wept um, a lot in like normal conversation, which is um, when I get fed up or get pissed off at work, you'll routinely hear me going, Jesus wept. Or come to daddy, which became the Apex twin song. You know, it is a cultural zeitgeist sort of thing. That's why is that bus shelter with all the hell races on top of it. You know, the, these things exist for a reason. Um, then I watched the remake slash reimagining slash sequel. Um, I think it's a good, I'm not going to talk too much about it because I don't want to spoil it, but there are some, it's a good movie. It is not a scary movie at all. Like there's not a single part in it that scared me. The visuals are beautiful. Um, it's made very, very well. The makeup and the Cenobite design is very good. They do verge a little bit into Silent Hill, but, but you know, that came afterwards and it's a cultural touchstone. So Bruckner and like the art designers would have had that in their head, whether they liked it or not. So I get that. I don't mind that so much. Um, I think Jamie Clayton as the Hell Priest is fantastic. She is creepy as anything. It's like there's nothing in her eyes at all. It's just pure malevolence almost. It's really clever how she pulls that off. She is just detached but when she smiles or when she has that look you can feel it it's really clever um i wasn't expecting some of the plot twists um just with what was going on some of it was very obvious like very very obvious like the whole stuff at the end um i saw coming a mile off but the whole way the plot was set up it feels a little bit like the evil dead you know the 2013 remake um in that there's, without going to spoilers, you know, it's like, it's based around a junkie and a junkie trying to recover and that leading into this, you know, evil being unleashed onto the world. Um, so I, I, it's kind of clever, but it's, it's also not scary. It just isn't. And that's what the major disappointment is. I mean, the original still creeps me out. The second one less so, the third one definitely not. Um, but it, it's not scary. And that's what I wanted from it. And these years of like having the James Wan sort of conjurings, like the first two are fantastic and very creepy and scary. Um, you know, the, the other films that have come along that can genuinely do creepy, like It Follows, that is genuinely scary and unsettling. We, it should have been that and it wasn't. And it was really disappointing because if they're going to have the Hellproof act the way they do, no, the Cenobites, sorry, and the Hellpriest, then they should act more like... They should be more scary, the fact that they're appearing and following people, like the It Follows thing. You know, it should be like that, and it, it kind of isn't. Um, I still like it. I still recommend it. I think it's great. Um, it's beautiful, but it's it's just not scary, which is the biggest disappointment of all. Um, yesterday, I had a bit of a trek to... That's <laughs> uh, weird. Um, a bit of a yeah, a bit of a push to watch as much as I could. So I wanted to watch something I felt was Saturday, uh, like a Saturday movie. So I watched Star Trek 09, the J.J. Abrams movie. Still got plenty of issues with that. I still think J.J. Abrams and Robert Orkey and um, Alex Kurtzman, Captain Mummy, didn't know what they were doing. Um, but the cast is fantastic. 
and the action is well done. That soundtrack, God, I had to turn that down. The sound mix is so aggressive in that film. It's so well made. Um, it still looks good. The 4K Blu-ray that I watched it on, the encoding is terrible. Um, same with the second one. Even worse, actually, the second one. It's just Macro Block City. It's not very well done. Paramount are terrible at 4K. It's it's still fun. It's still a good film. Yes, it is more Star Wars than Trek. It's a bit more action-oriented. But it still has its moments. It still feels like a Star Trek film in a lot of ways. But one thing I took away from it this time was all Chris Pine does is get punched in the face. Like, he gets beaten up majorly in that first bar fight. He gets... Um, punched by Spock obviously he gets punched by Nick he just gets hit in the face all the time he's bleeding from varial facial holes all the time it's just really weird uh but it's still good I still enjoy it I might watch Into Darkness next week if I actually get more time off <laughs> um and then go through to Beyond Beyond's my favorite easily I think um then I watched um Wealth at Night the Michael Giancino Giancano I can't remember how to pronounce his name I'm yeah, as you know we're terrible I'm terrible with names um disney special event i thought that was great i thought it was good fun um it's a shame it's not a full movie it's a shame it's not a full series i think it was well shot i think it was well done it's amazing when it's black and white what you can get away with i mean it's not like mandy or the shining level of blood but it's it's showing a lot of blood and like things getting cut off with people but because it's black and white i think they got away with the pg-13 rating because it's the most violent marvel film well, thing by a long stretch but it doesn't really show anything because it's black and white. So I think that's how they got away with it. I think it's good fun for 50 something minutes as a homage to sort of oldie worldy stuff. It's it's all right. It's good. It's good fun. Um, then I watched Dead Heat, which is a film I'm pretty sure I'd seen. But since watching it again, I'm not sure I have, which is Joe Pescopo and Treat Williams. Because um, I remember it as Joe Pesc- Pescopo there, um, being the one who... This is about these two cops who stumble onto this this group of people who are robbing jewelry stores and they seem to be indestructible or take a million bullets because it turns out they're reanimated humans. They're dead. So they're zombies, basically. Um, I always remembered it as Joe Piscopo being the one, a big lumbering one who ended up dying coming back. But it was Treat Williams, which was a bit of a surprise watching it again. So I'm not sure. Either I haven't seen it in a very long time or it was just, you know, a thing that was new to me. Um, I watched in the 88 films Blu-ray. I know there's a 4K out by someone. Vinegar Syndrome, maybe. Um, but it looks really good, that Blu-ray. Um, the soundtrack's good. It's the original... Oh, original audio, sorry. Um, and it was good fun. It was good fun to sit in the background, not really pay much attention to. Silly little 80s horror-slash-action flick. It's funny when it needs to be it's gory when it needs to be the, the whole bedroom bathroom sorry melting scene is brilliant it's quite well done um the effects are really good the makeup's really good it's it's a good fun little 80s sort of thing and then i was torn on what i want to watch last i want to watch something actually you know quote unquote scary so i wanted to watch either insidious which Again, I can't remember if I've seen or I've not seen. I seem to be confusing them all around, but I own the first two. Um, so I was going to watch Insidious, or I was going to watch... Um, oh, there was a second film I was going to watch. I was in, oh, Creep, which I, again, can't remember if I've seen or not seen. And I settled on the I'm the Pretty Thing That Lives in the House, uh, which is an Osgood Perkins uh, movie. For people who don't know, it's Anthony Perkins from Psycho's Son. Um, now Osgood Perkins, my brother had been on about for a very long time, um, cause he stumbled on, um, what was the, oh, February slash the Black Coat's Daughter. I know it's got two names. Um, it was originally called, I think the Black Coat's Daughter, but it's called February and it's Netflix version, but it's not actually available anywhere anymore. Cause it was originally on... Um, I think it was on Netflix um, in the UK anyway. And then it suddenly disappeared because it's not on there now because I went to look for it. Um, it's got Lucy Boynton in it, Emma Roberts, Ken and Shipka. Um, and Lucy Boynton, who I really love from Sing Street, is 
now back in this um and the pretty thing that lives in the house so other things he's directed um cold comes at night which i've not seen girl in the photographs again which i've not seen black host daughter which i can't find anywhere and the pretty thing lives in the house and hansel and gretel now gretel and hansel sorry Gretel and hansel i have seen and i loved that i thought it was creepy and beautiful and really really well made and just like really really clever and i know he does a lot of acting now as well um well he's done a lot of acting forever he's in psycho too um as young norman bates so i know for a fact he's like in quite a lot of things he's in nope as the film director for example and oh he's in star trek ah i didn't know that i just watched star trek that's really weird um he's in um legally blonde and wolf and a few other things anyway um yeah i'm the pretty thing that lives in the house is a netflix film um it's not got the best reviews only 87 minutes and it's very disjointed and very strange um it's got ruth wilson bob balaban lucy boynton and it's about um a carer that goes to look after an older woman who lives in this house and that's about it there's not much happens in it it's very strange um but it's very good as well um yeah it's it's really i can't go into too much about it because there's too many spoilers and it is very yeah yeah it's very strange um and there's little bits that sort of cut away to random sort of ghostly images and then cut back as sort of scene breaks um it's very disjointed but it is very good um it's hard, hard to put into words um but i think if you want something spooky and creepy i think it's definitely worth watching 100 percent so next we'll get on to some news because that's everything i've watched apart from what i'm going to watch today i won't go into what i'm going to plan to watch because i normally forget what i'm going to plan to watch and then all of a sudden think, think of something else or do something else or yeah it's um it never goes to plan whatsoever <laughs> um yeah so um my copy no escape hasn't turned up yet it hasn't left germany currently it's still in germany which is a pain in the ass so hopefully that'll turn up soon um highland has been announced for the us now which is interesting so you've got a couple of steelbooks which uh, well one steelbook and one normal release which i'm not sure they are on personally but it's basically the same just lionscape releasing it there's a few changes i don't think there's any um special extras apart from your know, physical stuff like postcards or whatever else but i don't think it's going to be a lot of difference in these two discs they'll come from the same master um and we'll just wait and see but it's nice that the americans getting it after port i'm still going with the uk one and maybe the eagle disc um the uk one i've definitely got pre-order i think the eagle i've still got pre-orders as well the uk i'm definitely getting for matt ferguson's um cover art alone paramount have announced um finally properly plane trains and automobiles and it does seem to have all the cut scenes from the longer cut obviously it won't be edited back together obviously you know someone out there will do a fan edit at some point but at the moment it's good that we're going to get this um i don't really trust paramount with their 4k discs they look really weird and there's some motion things going on with them and their colors aren't quite right so you know it can look worse than the blu-ray the blu-ray is terrible so i'll definitely pick it up i think it's definitely worth getting especially for the extras i mean it's a shame because hughes never wanted that stuff to be seen but obviously it's going to come out now so we haven't got much of a choice for that well he hasn't got much of a choice um but it's a shame they haven't respected his wishes but it's also good to get this stuff finally so it's like the kubrick thing it's like oh we'll never see this this and this and then they find it i mean he wouldn't have wanted it but hey we're the better off for it um shout factory have announced some stuff which is a shame because there's some stuff i would buy so war games for example i like war games um adishidi especially in it it's it's not a great movie it's it's okay um but it's definitely worth picking up if 
the um, 4K looks good. Um, it's got an audio commentary by John Madden and the writers. It's got some extras which I think have been on older stuff before. But it's good. It's 4K. Um, same with Carrie. I mean, everyone knew this was coming. The Steelbook even looks the same as what they did before, I'm pretty sure. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but it looks like a reprint. I don't really pay much attention to Scream slash Shout Factory. I'm hoping that Arrow or someone else will put this out because Arrow put it out in the UK. I've got the 2K disc of this, um, their big box. I might watch that this Halloween, actually. I haven't watched it in a while, um, which is good. It's got a brand new 4K scan from 2022, um, original mono, if you believe that, from Shout Factory. Um, no new extras by the looks of it. Same extras carried over, but at least it is in 4K. Same with Black Christmas. Um, brand new restoration of that. I, Black Christmas is fine for what it is. It's a silly little thing. But War Games and Carry are the two ones that I'd want from those. And finally, uh, The Return of Swamp Thing from Lightyear Entertainment. Now, I have Swamp Thing from 88 Films. Um, I was going to pick up Return of Swamp Thing and I never got around to it. It's not as good. Obviously, Wes Craven did the original. But I'm quite tempted to. If this 4K is quite cheap, um, it might be worth doing. Um, I mean, obviously, 88 Films release of Swamp Thing as European cut with the you know nudity and everything else and the normal cut. So that's worth getting for that alone. But it's... Um, and it's Heather Lockyer. It's it's weird. It's it's not a great movie, but it's fun for what it is. Um, and if it's cheap enough, see that's the thing because it's not a good film in my view. I pick it up if it's cheap enough, and it's something that I would get eventually. But I'm not gonna you know break down the walls to be able to get it because it's just a bit silly. Um, yeah, so not a huge amount of news this week. A few bits here and there that are worth picking up, I'm sure. I'm still waiting on, like I say, my No Escape to turn up. That's the one I'm excited for because there's rumours it's a brand new 4K scan. You always worry with Turbine because some of them end up being upscales and not great. But I love film so much. I don't own it on any modern flip format. I think the last format I got with DVD, I had the laser disc. So I want to watch it um, in decent quality. So if the best I can get is an upscaled blue uh, 4k for now then i'll live with it but hopefully it is a new scan like people are saying so um two cuts in the main topic now like i say i've already done a list today which is a lot longer than this one because there's more films in it but going with the spooky theme and with halloween ends coming out in what a week or so i thought i'd do my personal ranking of the halloween movies um it's a franchise I kind of loved growing up. The first film is a classic. I own more copies of that on multiple formats than I do most movies. Um, I know I say this a lot, and there are a lot of films like Thief or Evil Dead and things like that, that I own like thousands of copies of. But I do own a lot of copies of Halloween. Every time a new DVD came out, I bought it. Um, I need to own more laser discs. I've got the Criterion and a few other ones as well. But the first film, you know, is a Stone Cold classic and basically invented the slasher genre as we know it now. And then I sort of dipped in and out here and there. So it used to be something you used to rent every now and again as something, you know, fun through the sequels and things like that. But I have a ranking right now. And this obviously does include Halloween ends. And it might be a bit controversial for some of the rankings, as all these things are. Um, that's the problem. All these things, you know, all these things change quite often. Uh, like I say, I'm terrible for lists. Absolutely terrible because I will change my mind all the time. That's why I don't have a number one movie ever because it always changes. I mean, I do. It's, it's thief, but you know what I mean? It's like, it does change a lot because I will look at these things and think, Oh, yeah, that. Oh, yeah, that. Oh, I forgot that. Oh, I forgot that. Or I'll make a list of top tens, for example. Top tens terrible for me for like best films of all time because then I'll do it and then I'll commit to it. And then two months later, I'll think, oh, my God, my favorite movie of all time isn't in there. You know, it's I'm stupid for things like that. But these are quite easy to lock down, especially when it's, you know, so few movies. So we'll start at the worst, which is obviously Halloween Resurrection. 
I've seen it once. I don't need to see it again. I don't want to see it again. It is just a bad film. And this is obviously the time when uh, the Weinsteins were putting out shitty Hellraiser movies and, you know, these 90s re-evaluations of these horror movies and franchises. They didn't work. On the whole, anyway, a few at work, but many of them don't. But killing off Laurie Strode and having Buster Rhymes in it and Ty- it, it was badly cast. It's even worsely written, and it's basically just a bad movie. I don't think there's anything redeeming about it at all. I mean, you can look at it as like a camp silly sort of thing, but I think it's bad because it ruins the legacy that was set up before. I say killing Laurie Strode. Why get her back at all? Why get Jamie Lee Curtis in it just to kill her off for shock value? It doesn't work. You know, if you're going to kill her off, have her earn it. But she doesn't earn it in that movie at all. It's just just bad. Um, Then we have Halloween 5, The Revenge of Michael Myers. Now, (sighs) talking about mismanagement of sequels. I mean, obviously there were issues with you know, the producers and, you know, the Weinsteins getting involved and things getting cut and things getting moved or whatever else. And I I kind of get that. But the whole satanic cult and Jamie and all this other stuff and she becomes the killer now. And it was a neat idea, but it just didn't follow through. Um, I think folks on Michael, and they always said, apparently, Mustafa Akkad said, um, you know, if you're going to kill him, have a way to bring him back because I need a way to bring him back. Um, and I I get it because you don't want to kill your golden goose. It's the Freddy sort of thing. Um, but it, it just doesn't work. I like the idea of like the cult and all this other stuff. You know, that, that kind of works for me a little bit. Um, but it's just so incompetently done and just badly made. I mean, it's not, uh, I can see why the people out there who are big fanboys of the later ones in like that trilogy, they like them because I like, they like the mysticism and they like, I mean, Donald Pleasance goes all out in them. Jesus Christ, he doesn't give a shit. You know, it was his final days, and he was just like, sod it, if I'm going to make money, let's make money. Let's just do it. And, you know, I salute him for going full-out gonzo insane for that, because what else are you going to do? Especially when presented with the scripts he was presented with. Um, I mean, the problem is this doesn't... All it feels like is, like... I mean, I kind of lump them together. I mean... The next one's Halloween 6 and the one before before that, Halloween 4. Halloween 4 tries its most for being like the babysitters and the the tits equals like death sort of thing. I I kind of get that. It feels more honest, if you know what I mean. Um, 6 in the producer's cut works better. Um, It's still not very good. Um, They just don't... As a trilogy, they kind of make sense because they've got a through line with Jamie and her becoming the new shape and her inheriting Michael's sort of thing. But the whole family line doesn't really work. I think what they did with the new Halloweens with the family there, with making it Laurie's family as opposed to Michael's family, makes more sense. And Laurie being kind of like the one who got away more than anything else. Um, That makes more sense to me than... Anything in Halloween Resurrection or anything in any other stuff. I mean, it's it's kind of an issue when you have, you know, producers getting involved and doing different cuts and this changing and that changing and all these other bits and bobs. I, I understand that to an extent, but I think 465 is the way they've put them. And I think that's the way it is, because I think 4 is the closest to the original sort of feel. Um Six works better in its producer's cut with the cult and the whole suspense sort of thing. Five's just kind of pointless. Five just feels like they made it. I mean, they made it a year after each other, weren't they? It's just like, it just feels like they threw them out there just to get them made, just to keep the franchise right, sort of keep, 
you know, money coming in every Halloween. It just doesn't make any sense. And they don't feel good, I think, is the main issue with them. Um, next, we have Halloween 3 Season of the Witch. Um, it took me a long time to see this. Um, not that I saw it like last week or anything, but it, it took me a long time to catch up with it. I think it's because, obviously, it shouldn't be called Halloween 3. It should have just been Halloween Season of the Witch. It should have been... If I don't know if it was originally, actually, it could have just been that. Um, or just Season of the Witch. It should have been an anthology series going forwards. After Michael was dealt with, it should have just been an anthology series of creepy things. Because it does work in that way. But the problem with Halloween 3 is the pacing's terrible. The idea of it's great and the creepiness of the masks and everything else and the whole mystery about what they're doing and the TV signals and all this other stuff is quite clever. Um, but the pacing's just so slow. It's just like two people meet, they talk for a bit, they're suddenly a couple and having sex and then they're both investigating this thing and it's just, wait, what, 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 what? Um, it's it's better than it needs to be and nowhere near as good as it should be, I think is what I'd call Season of the Witch. It's got so many good ideas. If you're going to remake one, do that because it's got so many good ideas that can be done a lot better. Four, five, six and Resurrection have got no good ideas. Not really. They're just generic ideas that are riffed from something else like, hey, what if this person is related? Why happens this person, you know, got possessed by the spirit of something? It's been done before. Season of the Witch was something new and something clever, and it should have been that that was the film, the, the song that was remade, the song, the film that was remade, the film that was changed, something that was different and new. I'd rather have that personally. Next, you have Halloween Kills, and I don't see what the fuss is about. I don't see why everyone hates it so much. It's not as good as Halloween at all. Um, I went to see it in the cinema, and it was full of idiot kids who were talking and screaming and throwing stuff around. In the end, I walked out, went home, and downloaded the version from, um, was it Peacock or Paramount Plus, whichever one it was on? I think it was Peacock. And just watched it at home. Because, no, I just... And you get a rowdy crowd with horror films and things like that. And I sat at home, and I watched it, and I enjoyed it. And it's... Yes, it's silly, and the whole... The whole bit at the beginning's cool, though, with the firemen and all that stuff. And, yeah, I get the whole bit about, you know, people thinking about the crowd becoming the bad, you know, the worst part of it. It's like they're worse than Michael, the whole crowd instinct thing. And it does go on too long in the bar and all this other stuff. But when Michael's hunting them down in, like, the playground and everything like that, when they go looking for him, that's kind of cool. I like the whole stalky part of that. And then Laurie's whole thing and... You know, what happens at the end without going to spoilers because it's still a recent-ish movie. I'm excited to see where it goes with ends. I know people have seen spoilers come out and they don't like where the story's gone and the twists and the things like this, but I've avoided all that, so I don't know what's going on with it. But I liked Kills. It's not as good, obviously, as the ones that, you know, have ranked higher in this list because I like them better. Um, but I don't see why people hate it as much. Um, Evil Dies Tonight did go on too long and all this other stuff, but... I get that mob mentality is made in a time with, you know, the Trump stuff and the riots and all this stuff. So I, it's made a film of its time. I said this a lot in the Bond movie ranking that I did, that Bond does seem to reflect its time, um, whatever's big. So Star Wars, Star Wars or Bourne or whatever else, it does reflect those things. So it's the same with that. It was a product of its time. Next, we have um, the first one I saw in the cinema, which is Halloween H20, not H2O, as people call it. It is called H20 because it's 20 years later. It's Halloween 20 years later. It's a direct sequel to Halloween. Um, now, I can remember seeing original adverts for this that said, written by Kevin Williamson and from the mind of Kevin Williamson from the makers of Scream and all this. And that's what made me go and see it. Eventually, that all got removed, I'm guessing because of a Writers Guild thing, from all the later posters and stuff. I still have something somewhere that says it on there. Um, and I think he did an original outline for it or something like that, but the cast is great. You've got Ella Cool J, you've got Michelle Williams, you've got, um, I want to call him Josh Lucas, Josh Hartnett, and of course, Jamie Lee Curtis come back for the first time as Laurie Strode. Um, now, it's not without its massive flaws, obviously. But I think it's quite clever. And I think the way they they finished it off 
um, you know, they put the whole thing together. So I don't want to get too spoilery if people haven't seen it, if you know what I mean. But the way they ended the movie and ended what she did and what happens at the end makes more sense because it kind of put a line underneath it. And the problem with all these movies is someone comes along, like Steve Miner came along and he wanted to finish the film, you know, the series. He wanted to put his own stamp on it and finish it. Um, the whole thing about the PTSD she has from obviously events in Haddonfield and all these things, it's basically what they did with Halloween 2018. Um, but less refined and the mask doesn't work the same with all these sequels the mask is normally terrible i think only the newer ones got the mask right and actually made it look good um the mask isn't very good especially in the reshoots it's terrible but curtis is really good obviously janet lee's in it who's um real life mum, and they play the psycho theme which is quite kind of fun i think the kids doing a good job obviously the good actors have gone on to better things but I liked it in the cinema. I watched it last year again. Now they've got the 4K Green Factory version out. Um, I still think it's a good movie. I think it's worth watching. Um, I think if it was a little bit more serious and a little bit more creepy, it would you wouldn't have needed the you know David Gordon Green trilogy as it's become. I think it would have been stood stood enough as it was. Next we have. Halloween 2. Um, I like Halloween 2 a hell of a lot. I always have done. I think it's a very good sequel. Um, it obviously leads directly on from the first film. Watch back to back. It works very well. It's not as good, um, as well directed, should I say, as a Carpenter movie. And obviously it goes for more exploitation and, you know, the whole sauna bit, the bath bit or whatever with, you know, Hey, it's a horror movie. Get your tits out. That's that's how these things worked back then, and they do still now. Um, but it's creepy. It's got good kills. It's got good art design. It's got good direction in places. It's got a John Carpenter script. He was genuinely involved with it, you know. He's disowned it now in the plot, because obviously that's where the plot of Laurie being Michael's sister came from. Um, which is played on a bit, obviously, in Halloween H20. But, yeah, it's. I think it's good. I think it's better than people give it credit for. I mean, it's like Psycho 2. It's one of those films that if it wasn't called Psycho 2, people would herald it as, like, a really good film. But because it's compared to the original, people never think it lives up to it, which I understand. But it is good. There's nothing wrong with Halloween 2, really, especially if it had, like, if it had an edit by a competent editor, I think it'd be like a world-class film. Um, obviously, the way Michael dies at the end and some of the imagery in it has resonated from now on. If you look at like Michael Myers images, you'll see a lot from Halloween 2 or people have drawn stuff from Halloween 2 because that's the way these things catch on because iconic imagery is something that lives with us forever. And that is something that has definitely taken hold, I think. Um, next we have Halloween, which one? Yes, the remake. Well, not the remake, the new sequel from 2018, David Gordon Green. Um, I can see why people don't like, um, why they don't like the, um, Halloween kills, because obviously it went from a very competent, well-made, creepy film with Halloween 2018 to something a bit more maybe comedy led is probably the right slash wrong word like um, yeah kind of like David Gordon Green's sort of background is is a little bit more like that um, yeah I suppose that's probably the best way of putting it it's um yeah, it's it's sillier, I suppose, Halloween Kills. But it'd be nice to know that we've always got this great sequel. I mean, I always watch Halloween on Halloween, or I try to, and I always watch The Crow on Devil's Night, because obviously it makes sense. Um, but then in saying that, I started watching Halloween, the 2018 version. 
because I just thought it was a good film that deserved watching. And I think that anything compared to Carpenter at his best is definitely worth a shout. Um, and I do think it holds up even now. I watched it before Halloween Kills came out and I still think it's creepy. I think the gore goes a little bit stupid, like with, you know, Michael putting his boot through that guy's head. It's a little bit like, what was his head made of? Like plasticine. It doesn't make a lot of sense, but it doesn't need to make sense because it's a Halloween movie. It's silly and it's stupid and it's a slasher. I love it. I think it's good. It's not as good as John Carpenter's Halloween, which is obviously the top. Um, that that film's perfect. There is nothing I would want to change about that film. There's nothing I'd want to move around or think, hey, you know, this is better or that's worse or, you know, there's something good or bad about it because it's Halloween. There is a reason that Halloween has been ripped on for years. There's a reason that everything popped up in the surrounding times and copied it. There's a reason, you know, that people referenced it like Wes Craven even with Scream. You know, there's a reason that Jamie Lee Curtis got cast in all these slasher movies because Halloween defined an era. You know, if you wanted a slasher movie, that was it. It invented it. Teens doing things they shouldn't do and getting murdered for it. That was it. It was Halloween. That's where all this stuff came from and that's where we ended up. And it's great for it. It's fantastic. It's definitely worth watching. Um, if people out there listening to this podcast haven't seen Halloween, I mean, what are you doing with your life? You have to have seen Halloween. I, I don't believe anyone out there has not seen it. Um, it's fantastic. It's one of the best films I've made. It's John Carpenter's best film, I think, by quite a long... Well, not quite a long way, because obviously The Thing, and he's made some great films. Um, maybe a ranking of John Carpenter will happen in the future. That's a hard one to do, actually. I need to rewatch Ghosts of Mars, apparently. I've got the indicator blue, I should put that back on. But like the Bond one, it's hard to say more about the ones at the top of the list because everyone knows them and their own quantities and you have to justify them almost. Or they're very good, so there's very little to go into that's bad or critical or anything else because it's Halloween. It's perfect. Um, David Gordon Green got this, I felt, with the the 2018 one and he got the creepiness and the stalking vibe and then all of a sudden changed up completely with halloween kills we can see where halloween ends goes because from what i'm getting the impression of people getting upset it's changed quite a bit um and he's done quite a few different things and things have changed in quite a lot of different ways which is interesting because i don't know why he would have done that it seems a bit odd but yeah, a bit strange. But yeah, so that's my ranking of the Halloween films. Um, this is a bit of a shorter podcast day. It's just under an hour by the looks of it. Um, not too short, obviously, but I have done another podcast, which was a little bit over an hour. So that is only on the Patreon. So if you do want to hear that, please subscribe to me on Patreon or become my patron or whatever the wordage is around it. Um but yeah, I hope everyone enjoyed. Um, I've got some stuff lined up to watch today. I've got a massive work week ahead of me, as I always do, and someone always phones in sick or something else goes wrong. So I end up working my days off, which is a bit of a pain in the backside, should we be nice and say it that way. Um, but yeah, I mean, I should be getting another one up soon. I want to get as much watching in. Hopefully there's a bit of news and we'll do another topic for something. I've got a few ideas that I was mulling around. I normally go on a long walk in the morning and that's normally where I think of like, hey, what am I going to do? I'm going to do this, 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 and this. And that's where I came up with my two rankings. So Bond and Halloween. Halloween, obviously, for Halloween. And Bond because it's the 60th anniversary. So yeah, um, thanks guys for listening and hope you all have a good week and I'll talk to you next time.